How are you guys doing today, church? Good. Awesome. I'm the announcement guy, too. So I'm just playing. I, it's good to see you guys this morning. I've already said that one time, but I just want to uh, just start off by introducing myself. My name is Michael Page. Um, I'm the campus pastor here. If this is your first time, um, I'm the campus pastor here at our, our Pooler campus. Um, we are a, a church of five campuses. Our, our central campus is in Statesboro, Georgia, um, and we, we planted this church in January, and God has done incredible things in our midst over these past six or seven months. And it's so cool to watch God move. Um, the testimonies, the stories that we've heard out of connect groups, um, the, the, the things we've seen people doing in our communities, uh, it's just, it's amazing. And um, it's the only way that we can explain it is God's moving. Um, it has nothing to do with any kind of man or any kind of uh, leadership team or elder board, just God is moving in our midst and it's cool to watch, right? And so I just wanna encourage you, if you're not involved, if you're, if you're on the outside looking in, Jump on board and jump on board. Now's a great time to get involved. Now's a great time to get involved in a connect group. So we just multiplied our connect groups. We don't like to use the word split. We like to use the word multiply because multiply is a more positive word, right? And so we multiplied some of our groups. So we're now up to 10 groups in Pooler, Georgia right now, which is awesome. That's a good thing to celebrate. Um, and so if you, it, there's a place for you to be if you're looking to get plugged in. So I just want to encourage you, like, I, or just to tell you, like, this is the highlight of my week every time, um, without fail, coming in here, just getting the opportunity to worship with you and to share the Word of God with you, the Word that God puts on my heart each week and the Word God puts on our, on our, on our pastor's heart each week. It really fires me up. And, and what I want to ask is, do we realize what a privilege it is for us to be here? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up going to church, right? And I grew up going to a Baptist church down in Brooklyn, Georgia. Um, you know, we were growing. We got, had a lot of cool stuff happening. I was in the RAs, and I was in a youth group, and I was doing all these different kind of things. And, and you know, I, I, I took it for granted. I had people walking beside me as I was growing my relationship with Jesus, and I took it for granted. And I, it's so easy for us to do that. And Connection Church is, is notorious for people coming in and being like, wow, God is doing some incredible things here. But the funny thing is, if you don't watch out, this would just be another t traditional church if you let it. What God's doing here is special, but you gotta jump on board and be after his heart, not after connection's heart, after God's heart. And that's what it's about, is being after him. And so don't take this time for granted. And so my, something as I was worshiping in a second ago and sitting on the front row, and I was, I was honestly, the last two or three days, I've been really struggling with what to preach today. I'll be honest with you, transparency hour, okay? Um, you know, I, I really, I got, we have the, we have the sermon notes and we have the, um, we, our pastors all meet together and we go through the scripture and we talk through it. And it's a, it's a pretty brutal, uh, it's a pretty brutal chapter we're going to be reading today out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Um, and I struggled with, with trying, are we supposed to teach on unity? Because there's a, there's a heavy element of unity in there. Are we supposed to preach on carnal Christianity? Because there's a heavy element of carnal Christianity in there. Are we supposed to preach on how we're building the temple? how we're building the church, how we're building our bodies, how we're building our hearts after God, because there's a lot of that in there too. And so I told Savannah, I was, I was leaving the house today and she grabbed me and she prayed with me. And she's like, you know, go with God, you know, kind of thing. And so, and so it was kind of a thing where I was like, man, I'm out this morning. It was really tough because like, God, I don't know what I'm gonna preach about. You know, and so, cause I feel like God is doing something in our church, church wide, that is incredible. And I think it is only going, it's only going to be continued at the rate that we continue to surrender. You get that? At the rate we continue to surrender to his will and the rate at which we continue to pray for his presence, the rate that we continue to pray for, for his will to be done in our church. Because there's not one person in this room, on this stage, in this building, 
that this is about. It's about Jesus. It's about his name being lifted high. And this morning, you know, as I was singing, Lord, I surrender all, everything and nothing less. All those words, like sometimes they can become just words, right? Like, I, and I sat there and, and, you know, God was just hitting me in the heart. It's like, Michael, there's some things that you're not surrendering, but you're sitting here singing that I surrender all. But what about that thing you're holding behind your back right there? You know what I mean? And so, and I sit there and I'm sitting here thinking like how many other people in this room were singing at the top of their lungs, Lord, I surrender all, except this, or except this, or except this. But the thing I wanna tell you, for God to get to the, for us to get to the place that God wants us, completely surrendered, on mission for Him, seeing the world change around us, our hearts have to be completely surrendered to Him. That means I'm giving up control of my life. That means I'm saying, God, whatever you say, that's what I wanna do. I look at people like Paul and Peter in the scriptures, like Paul was literally knocked to the ground on the way to kill Christians, totally oblivious to anything God wanted him to do. 30 seconds later, he was on mission for God because he had seen God. And so my, the, the common denominator is a lot of people in this morning, we're gonna talk about carnal Christianity, I chose B. And so what I've learned, what I've learned is that a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus. You know, they are, they, they may be saved, but they may not be living to the potential that God wants them to. God may have called them to great and mighty things, but we are saying no, because I'm gonna hold these things behind me, the things that I'm worshiping, the things that I'm holding on to. And this morning, my prayer as we start is we would, we would let go of everything hindering us from walking with Jesus freely and fully. Because if you believe that Jesus came, if you believe that he died, if you believe that he rose again, if you believe that he's coming back again, there's nothing else worth living for. Can we agree with that? There's nothing else worth living for. Like that, there's, there's one person to live for. That's it. Last week, we did two baptisms here. It was incredible, awesome. And we watched, it was good, celebrate, it's great. And what I saw is I was asking questions to these guys and I was like, do you believe that Jesus Christ came? And he lived a perfect life. He was the son of God. He died on the cross and he rose again for your sins and for my sins. And do you promise to, to do what he says do and go where he says go for the rest of your life? Those are the questions that I asked. And just seeing the, the, the intensity and the commitment in their eyes as they said, yes. And every time we baptize someone, we're seeing that. And that is something, it's not just something where we're checking the box. This is something where we're going and we're being the hands and the feet of Jesus. That means he gets access to my heart. The things that I try to hide from other people, I try to clean myself up and look good in front of people. That means he gets access to that. That means he gets access to my bank account. That means he gets access to my, my relationships. I mean, he gets access to everything that I'm doing in my life because he's the perfect God. I'm the imperfect human. Through him, I can do all things, which what Paul said. And so I want him to rule and reign in my life. Okay, is that good? We good with that? And so that's where we need to be at today because each week, listen, I come and I study for these sermons and I struggle. I, I, I carry a load every week and that, that I don't need to be carrying. I need to repent right now because I carry the load of your relationship with Jesus every week. And that's not mine to carry. But it, it hurts me to think that somebody could come in here on a Sunday morning or, or at their connect group and hear the gospel, hear a truth from scripture that, that they need to adjust and they walk away the same. It breaks my heart. It, it, it brings me to tears sometimes thinking about it like, because I, I see the freedom that God wants us to live in in Jesus. 
And I see the freedom that he wants us to walk in in our everyday lives. And I see the, and I see the counterfeit things that we choose to, to cling to every day, right? He's called us to freedom. And that's wrong, but it's honest. Yeah, I worry about whether you're spiritually healthy or not, whether you're growing or not, whether you're in a connector, whether you're stagnant, whether you're involved in kingdom work, whether you even know what the kingdom means. I care about that so much that you get that, but it's wrong that I carry that, but it's honest. And, I, and I, I want us to get it because if we're a church that gets it, we'll be a church that changes the fabric of our community. That I'm talking about crime would go down because the Holy Spirit of God is living in his people and going out and affecting people in their city. Poverty would go down because generous people would be giving to the work of the kingdom in their community. How awesome is that? That would be cool to be a part of, right? Well, God's inviting you into that today and every day that you wake up that you're a part of a church or this church or his kingdom. He's inviting you into that to be a part of that. But we choose to live empty, small, little lives that is safe and that we can control and that I can hold on to. Because when we start losing control of our life, we turn to drinking or we turn to pornography or we turn to affairs or we turn to money or we turn to work or we turn to things that we can hold on to and control that makes us feel like we have enough to be good enough. But we'll never, ever, ever reach that without Jesus. I'm telling you, he is the one that you're looking for this morning. I promise. And I'm telling you, as a church, we're done. We're done with empty religion. I'm not about religion. I'm not, we're not about religion or about the performance trap. We're seeking a real relationship with Jesus. And that's what I feel like as a pastor that I've been for a year fighting internally. My heart has just been at knots every week trying to prepare for these things. I have this righteous anger. Like, I'm mad at Satan. It's okay to be mad at Satan, okay? Anger, it's good at that. It's good. All right, I'm not living in sin or anything. But far too long, he's deceived us. Who likes to be lied to in here? Right, no, right. Nobody likes to be lied to, but he's deceived us for a long time. But, and he's done that by tricking us into believing that, that we have to clean ourselves up. I got to make sure I get, I got I to stop looking at porn before I go to that connect group because they'll find out and then they'll think I'm weird. I got to stop smoking because I, you know, I, uh, my, you know, pfft, you know, I got to stop drinking. I got to stop lying to my wife before I go. To the, I got to stop doing that. No, God says, come to me. He'll clean us up. He cleans our heart up by get, well, taking us through the process of sanctification. He justifies us. He sanctifies us. He moves us closer to himself by drawing us in with his love or we think that we have to do a certain amount of good things so that God will accept us again, right? Back in college, I would sin, I'd fall on my face, I'd do this. Or I'm like, okay, well, I got I to gotta do, I gotta do three or four good things before I can start praying again, right? Who's, who's ever lived that way? We all have, right? I've got to go to church three times, then God be good again. We'll be good. I won't feel as guilty anymore. No, that's, that's pandering. That's, that's, back to your, that's playing back into your guilty conscience is what that is. That's not surrender, and that's not a relationship with Jesus. That's a relationship with, uh, with sin and with guilt and with condemnation. Last week, we said there's now no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. And so I'm tired of them deceiving people into thinking that they have to wait for a service on a Sunday to worship God. Like, this is not your spiritual feeling station. Now, this is not, it's not what it is. This is not where you come and like, I got my God shot for the week. I'm going home. I'm going to be good at work. We're going to be awesome. I'm going to go to Connect Group. I'm going to get my, my weekly fill up and it's going to be awesome. I, I lead a Connect Group on Sunday night. So they, those guys are just all messed up because they get all of them one day. So during the week, you know, it's just you know, tough, you know. So my, what I'm saying is this. We get into this routine and we forget the immensity of the God we serve. 
my greatest fear is for one person in here to die, stand before God and say, whoa, uh-oh, mess that one up. You know, listen, your, your mind cannot fathom what you're gonna see when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And everything right now matters for everything then. You understand that? What you do with Jesus affects that encounter, right? Is Jesus the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Did he come and he died? Did he raise again? Or did he not? You have to choose and you have to live by what you choose. And so someone has, who has turned their life over to Jesus is by definition a, a kingdom seeker, a kingdom builder, someone who wants to be a part of the kingdom. And what I always love about this is kingdom-minded people understand that the kingdom of God is like a kingdom on earth. What the kingdoms have, they have a president or a, or a ruler, they have, a, they have a, a military force, they have a currency, they have a, a language, they have, they have all these things that gives them structure, it's the kingdom. And so many times I'm telling you guys that we don't understand kingdom language. Like we don't, I'm sitting, I'm talking about kingdom right now. You're like, what are you talking about? Like the, Jesus in the scriptures talks about kingdom 74 times. The kingdom of God, the kingdom is like over and over and over again. So it's important that we understand that, I think, right? If Jesus talks about it that much, we need to talk about it and think about it at least half that much and talk about it and learn what it is. You know, nowhere in scripture do we see God drawing people into a relationship with Jesus and then sending them back or sitting them back and then sitting back and, and not participating in act of kingdom service. Do, do, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody getting saved, coming to Jesus and doing anything except running to home or running to the Pharisees and telling them about Jesus or running to their family and saying, look, I don't know what happened. This is weird. I know you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I was blind. You remember, because I've been blind my whole life. Now I see, that's weird right? Something's happened. Something's, something's going on different. So I, I once was this way, now I'm this way. Or, or think about Lazarus's friends. Like he was dead for three or four days. The dude stunk. He rose from the dead. People were like, man, something is different. And when we come to Jesus and we sit in worship with our hands in our pockets, it terrifies me because I don't think we see clearly. I think we're blinded still. And I think we're deceived. And I think, honestly, what the main thing in churches today in our, in our country is that we're dealing with a, a spirit of, of, of passivity. We're passive. We may know the truth. We may know scripture. We may know the, the Christianese. We may know how to pray the greatest prayer at Thanksgiving. We may know how to do all these things. But when it comes to the relationship with Jesus, where I know Jesus so well that I know the favorite color in his heart. That's what, that's what I want. Like when you're dating someone, what's the, what's the first 20 questions you ask them? Where are you from? Where do you go to school at? What's your favorite color? What kind of car do you drive? Uh, all these things, right? That's 20, you're playing 20 questions on the phone. Don't lie like you ain't never done that before, okay? <laughs> listen, listen. What, I want to know Jesus that well, that I know him so, I know his heart so well that I know the favorite color of his heart, the, the color that, why he chose the color of the oceans, this color, the trees, this color. I want to know why. I want to know his heart that much. Guys, God made a way through Jesus for us to get back to him because we had broken that in the garden through sin. God made a way through Jesus, through Jesus, so that we could live and so that we could love and we could have freedom and we could serve him with joy. That's the way that we were created to live. Like we were created to be instruments of worship, instruments of worship. Our hearts were made to worship. When you get to heaven, 
If you don't like Jesus very much on earth, you're going to be very disappointed in heaven because it's going to be a lot of Jesus worship there, brother. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And so what I want you to hear this morning is the freedom that I'm talking about can be felt right now. Like eternal life doesn't happen at death. A lot of people think that eternal life happens, I die, I step into eternity, angels on clouds, it's awesome, right? No, that's not what it's about. Eternal life happens right now. I step from death to life when I say yes to Jesus. The other day when, when Jamal and Logan raised their hand in the, in the service to receive Christ, that moment is when they receive Christ. Not whenever they came down and prayed, not whenever they got baptized. The moment they raised their hand, because what, what, what is this? This is called surrender. This is saying, Jesus, I'm laying down my guns. I'm laying down the rights to, to, to rule my own life. You have the keys to my heart. Everything you say, it, yes. I may struggle because I'm human. I may fall because I'm a sinner, but yes. That means I'm being quick to repent. It means I'm being quick to kill sin in my heart. It means I'm walking the line with him. And I feel like we've lost that awe and wonder that comes with knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords because I don't want that awe and wonder to just one day just wake up in heaven and be like, that's when it happens. I want to experience that now when I'm saying all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. Do we really mean that when we say those words this morning? Do we? Do we? I know that's a hard question to answer right now because we're like, oh, what's he talking about? And listen, this is why we went through Romans two week, the last two weeks because we're reteaching the gospel because I really believe that the church in, in general has, a lost, has lost touch with what the gospel is and, and, is, and they don't, they're not sure how to, how, to, how to put it into words. And the fact, that, the fact that we can't reach God in our own power, that we need Jesus, the fact that there's no condemnation if we're in Christ Jesus. And what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Can we answer that if I said one-on-one? What does it mean to be in Christ? That's a baseline knowledge of being a believer in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? But we balk at that because it's like, man, that's so deep. I don't know how to answer that. But it's in Scripture. That's what we need to be because today we're going to be looking at some of that, the dangers of what it means to be a carnal Christian. And some of the theologers, theologians, the, theologians believe that, that those are two opposite things. Well, you can't be a Christian and be carnal, right? You can't, because you can't, the Bible says I've died to myself. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, right? That's what it says in Galatians 2. So that means can, I, can't, I can't live in my flesh anymore. I can't do that. And so listen, this morning, as we're looking through this, you know, we're going to be talking about Christians. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity, but I'm talking to someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus this morning, okay? If you're saying that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking to you this morning. If you're not a believer, hold it tight, okay? And we've been talking about for a minute about our 412 reading plan. We're going to be right in the middle of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Before we get going with that, I really need to pray because I'm fired up. So, Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. I pray that you would move this morning, change our hearts. God, show us who you are. Lord, guide us as, we, as we're in this word this morning. Lord, we love you. Let's ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I know you don't believe this, but this is going to be short this morning. Why are y'all laughing? It's, it might not be then. Okay. All right, so, all right, who's ever had a sibling or a friend um, who just, you just got mad at and you've thrown out the phrase, you need to grow up? Everybody. You need to grow up, bro. Who's ever looked at their spouse and said, I wish you'd just grow up, man? Yeah, you need to grow up. You're acting crazy right now. 
There's some people who are like, yeah. So listen, you know, I did a search. I did a search this week as I was looking at this message of this topic for the most popular when I grow up, I want to be questions for boys and girls in the third grade. These were great, by the way. And it shows you like the separation between girls and guys too, by the way. So sorry, guys. Okay. For the girls, the number one thing the girl wanted to be in third grade was a doctor. Okay. You want to know what the boy's answer was? <laughs> it's close. It was Batman. Batman was the number one answer. <laughs> All right, number two answer. The girl was a, number two answer was, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. Such a, such a very valiant thing to do. Number two for the boys, you'll know what it was? Cowboy. <laughs> I want to be a cowboy. All right. Number three, the girls, I want to be a nurse. Another valiant trade to take on. The boys, Spider-Man. I didn't believe these, but it's pretty cool. All right, the next one, this, the girls kind of come, kind of the, the averages kind of shape up here. The girls, number four was princess. The boys were a firefighter, and the last one, the girls want to be a singer, and the boys want to be a baseball player. So the guys want to have a lot of adventure. The girls want to help a lot of people. Makes sense, right? So now as, I, as I've gotten older, what I've learned is that growing up doesn't always, you know, growing old is, is mandatory, I've learned, but growing up is optional. You ever seen that truth in your life? Growing old is, 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 is mandatory. I mean, I got gray hair. You know, I'm getting older as I go. But growing up is obviously in my life optional, as my wife would tell you. You know, one thing I, I think we can all agree on, that there's a huge difference in aging and maturing. Is that right? And so what I've learned in that is age doesn't always equal maturity. And one of the saddest facts that I've come to see in, is true that this is unfortunately true and the same in our spiritual lives, right? Just because we've been Christians for 10 years, that doesn't mean you're a mature Christian. Just because you've been a believer for 20 years and I've been to all the conferences and heard all the pastors and I've done all these things, I've memorized all these Bible verses, doesn't matter. It, it, might not mean you're, you might, it doesn't mean you're mature. It means you're an old Christian. <laughs> That's what it means. There's a difference in an old Christian and a mature Christian. This morning, I need you to hear that because what I'm learning as you're reading this is that this is exactly where 1 Corinthians 3 is, where Paul was at. Corinth, what it was, it was a port city that attracted many different cultures and belief systems, and it was a huge economic like center. Like Everybody came there because it was a port city. Uh, there was a lot of temples built in honor of Greek and, and, and Roman gods, and, and we can see why um, Paul chose Corinth to, to, to build a church, to, to raise a church up in this place. Um, he spent about a year and a half to two years in this place really raising up the church. And the, 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 then Paul, what he did, when he, he moved on to another city to start other churches. But he began to get reports that things in Corinth wasn't, wasn't actually kosher. There was, a, there was a lot of crazy stuff going. A lot of, um, they were still sleeping with prostitutes at the temple to, 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 these, to these gods. Um, they were still, um, they were, there, was a, there was even a, a situation where a guy was, was having an affair with his mother-in-law awkward, you know? It was, there was a lot of different weird stuff happening, and the church was like, look, we accept all these people. We're loving, aren't we? Right? That, that's what they were doing. They were saying, look, but, but Paul was like, no, you're, what you're doing is enabling people to sin, right? No, that's what he was saying. So listen, what he was doing, he was going, he was planting these churches, he was going away, and the thing that happened here, we see Paul define the problems. He defines the problems in chapter one through four here, and then he responds to the problems with the gospel. 
And how, how often do we do that in our life with our problems? We respond with the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. He shows them that they actually aren't living out what they say they believe. We're about to step on some toes this morning. I'm just saying this is scripture. This is not Michael, so remember that, okay? Listen, this reminds me of the American church. This reminds me of, of, of my life as I've gone to church. This reminds me of our young church sometimes. Like we, we, we say, Lord, I surrender all, but it's hard to see that sometimes, right? Where we take people at their words of saying they're a mature Christian, but when in reality, all, all we can see from the outside is just that they're old Christians, right? And so it, you, you, I know that you've all are thinking about, yeah, I remember that person over there. That's, what he, yeah, that's him, yeah. But listen, don't think that way, okay? Listen, there's so many times where we can come into church and be like, yeah, man, my, my mom used to talk about, yeah. I'm, you know, listen, let Scripture hit you and just you. Don't think of other people. Let Scripture hit your life and change your life, okay? Sorry, a little tangent. All right, so the big picture of this book is for us to think of, of every area of life through the lens of the gospel, and that's the way it should be. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, if you believe this book is infallible, which it is, okay, it, it, you need to see that your life, your, your, your worldview needs to be seen through this because if you, if you see this through your worldview, then something's wrong. You see that? Okay, this should shape your worldview, not your worldview should shape this, ever, okay? That's what needs to happen. So chapters one through four is dealing with divisions in the church, and we see other teachers coming through town saying, since Paul had left, Apollos and Peter, and, and what happened was that people, they would start clinging to these favorite teachers. I like Paul, I like Peter, I like Apollos, and then they became forming these weird religious groupies, groups gathered around those teachers, and then they began to talk bad about people who were following those other leaders. What's that sound like? Sounds like denominations to me. Sounds like people who are stuck in these different places saying, I, remember, who's ever heard of a Baptist joke? Who's ever heard of a Methodist joke or a charismatic joke or a Catholic joke or this person and this person walk into a bar? All these things, you know, like, listen, this is what it sounds like, right? It's, it sounds like they're sectioning off into these beliefs and these, these way these people teach. And Paul responds with, guys, this is not what it's about. This is not a popularity contest. It's about Jesus. What's this white sign say here? It's all about Jesus. Everything we do here, every, every sermon you hear from this stage, every worship song, every person that greets you in the hall, everything we do should be all about Jesus in this place. And if it's not, you come talk to me. Okay? All right. Good. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read real quick. It's going to go through the whole entire book. All right, not book, chapter, sorry. All right, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, are you not worldly? Are you acting like mere humans? For when, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere humans? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord is assigned to each of his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has, has been made, is making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Listen to that. The one who plants the seed, the one who preaches or teaches, the one who waters, the one who disciples, neither one of those are anything is what Paul is saying. They don't matter. 
The person on this stage teaching does not matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus and what he's saying through his word. What you should be hearing coming out of my mouth is scripture. And if it's not, by definition, as a Christian, you should rebuke me. You hear that? You have, you have permission to rebuke me as a brother in Christ if I'm speaking wrongly. Right? Everybody's like, yes. Okay, listen. It'd be a great conversation. All right. What after all is Apollos? He says, nobody's anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse eight, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they'll each be rewarded according to their own in labor, their own labor. For we are, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring to it, it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but will be saved, even though only is going, one escaping through the flames. You don't want to be saved by that. I'm just letting you know. It's, that's what you call skin of your teeth, <laughs> okay? Whew. It's almost like you get there and you're like, wait, I made it? Okay, good. Like, Listen, that's, that's what it's like about the skin of your teeth. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your mind, in your midst? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. You are a temple. We are the body of Christ. And that's where we're gonna stop at for a second. And as I was reading through this over and over and over again, I came to the realization that if Paul was right here, right now, here today talking to us, I think there'd be three questions that he would ask us, point blank, no games. In your face, three questions. And a lot of us can put our guards up. We can put, our, we can put rock, rock solid. I got, I got walls around my heart. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Listen, but this is what I think Paul would say. If you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus based on how you live your life, not what's coming out your mouth, but how you're living your life, how would you answer these three questions? And so remember, this, Paul started this church, and these people were very close to these people. And so the first question is, are you a carnal Christian? Are you a carnal Christian? Do you know Jesus? Are you a, are you a believer in him? Do you, are you have all the, your eyes down, your T's crossed, but at the same time, you're still ruled a lot. Your life is characterized by the flesh. Is it? There's three things you see here in 1 Corinthians 2. If you go over a little bit, you don't have to turn there, but I can just read it to you. 2.14 says this, the person without the spirit does not accept things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a lot of people sitting in church today, maybe here, that fall in this verse. Listen, because we pray a prayer, because we go to the altar, that does not equal salvation. Salvation is equal in surrendering your life to Christ, like surrendering everything to him, okay? That's what you have to hear. It says, the person without the spirit does not accept things of the spirit. Have you ever heard something that was directly from scripture that you just felt like, no? You know, that, listen, that's not, that's, listen, if script, okay, I'll tell you this. If you read something in here that, that you don't agree with, you need to change your mind. You got that? You need to change your mind and you need to change your heart because this is right. I'm, I can, I'm wrong a lot of times because the Bible says in Jeremiah that a heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And so we have to, we have to learn to, to put our minds and our hearts around Scripture. So it brings out three things. One we just read is the natural man. He's patterned after Adam. He rejects things of the Spirit. 
I don't want anything to do with God. The second one was the spiritual man. You can read about him in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. It says, what have we received is, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God's freedom what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. Am I talking over anybody's head this morning? If I am, you know, like let's, let's get in here and let's, let's read some of this stuff and let's, let's dig some of this out. And that's what you would call the spiritual man. In chapter three, we see the carnal man who knows the things of God, but in some pretty significant ways is still characterized by the things of the flesh. He's stuck in the middle. I always talk about this. We love sin. I, I, like, I like to drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I like to, that's not drinking. I don't think drinking is a sin. I think overindulging is a sin. I think, I think doing all that, listen, sin, okay? I'm, I, I love my, I love doing this, but I also love Jesus. I love Jesus too. But I, I really like this too. But I, but I really like Jesus. So we're stuck in the middle going back and forth. You know, I go to my sin, I feel terrible. I go to Jesus, I repent. I feel good for a few days. I go back to my sin, I feel terrible. I repent. I go back to Jesus. Does this resonate with anybody? Or is it just me? Because I deal with this stuff all the time. I'm stuck in the middle feeling like I'm in a tug of war. I want Jesus, but I also have a problem with sin. Okay? Romans 7 last week was talking about this. Am I saying that we'll ever stop struggling with sin? No, I'm not. But what I am saying is we should have some victory over sin if we are a follower of Christ. Okay? There's some, there's some victory in that. Okay? Listen, if, we, if there's not, that means we might be carnal. And here's the big looming question today is, is which one are you? Where are you at in this? If you look at your life in a really honest and took a very unbiased, unbiased inventory of your heart, where would you line up? Would you say, I'm a, I, I relate more to the natural man. I'm more of the spiritual man. No, be careful. <laughs> or would you say, I'm, I, I, Michael, if I'm honest, I fall on the carnal side, and I need to repent. Guys, as you come to Christ, you are meant to grow up in your faith. You're not meant to sit tight and just let it's just going to naturally happen. No, you have to move, take steps. Take steps. Are you, have you ever thought about what your spiritual gift was whenever you became a Christian? We're going through that in my connect group right now. That's why I'm asking. So have you ever thought about that? What's my spiritual gift? I have no idea. I know. What is a spiritual gift? You know, those are the elementary things in scripture. Like, are we involved in evangelism? Have we told people about Jesus before? Because when I get truly saved, when I see Jesus and my heart is transformed, it should be impossible for me to sit on my hands and, and not talk. My mouth should not stop declaring the praises of him who saved me. If not, then do we truly understand the gospel is my question. If you can sit on the, on the fringes and not tell people about the Jesus, the savior of your life, do you, does that mean that, that means two things. Either you don't really believe what you say you believe or you hate people. Those two things right? That's what I think. Because if you know Jesus, you know what he's done in your life. If you, if you understand the gospel that you once were lost, but now you're found, you once were going to bust hell wide open, but now you're going to be, be counted as righteous in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. If you, if you know that and experience that, there's two things. Either you don't truly believe that, or you don't care about people, because that means 
They could be gone, and you're the person that's supposed to be bringing them to Christ. Listen, that's what it looks like. Have you been involved in discipleship? I, I see the way laid out before me because someone has come alongside of me and walked with me towards Jesus long enough for me to, to gain wisdom and strength and knowledge and understanding. And now I'm going to do that for other people. It's life on life, iron sharpening iron. You know what I'm talking about? Proverbs 27, you got it? Listen, or leadership. This is a scary word. I, I'm, I'm leading people by the way that I'm living my life and being faithful to the opportunities Jesus has put before me as he gives us influence over other people. I'm using my gifts. I'm confident. Why? Because, because I'm not depending on myself. The person that comes to me and says, well, I really, I'm, I'm kind of scared to use my gifts. I don't really know about I'm not really sure if I'm like an intercessor, if I'm an apostle. Am I an evangelist? You know, I'm not sure where I line up. You know, listen, there's way too many eyes in that question right there, right? There's way too many, there's way too much self-talk in there. We need to die to self and do what God says and your gifts will come out. And you need to be obedient in those gifts. You got that? But church, here's the problem. We've allowed the enemy to step in and tempt us with passivity and comfort. In many ways, we've taken the bait. This morning, we may have taken the bait. And so it stunted our growth in a way that's it's kept, us to be, it's kept us ineffective. And, and nowhere in Scripture do I see people coming to Christ to gain worldly comforts. Do you guys? I don't see, I don't see, I don't see them coming to Christ and saying, I'm going to get me a jet. I'm going to get me a car. I'm going to get me this. I'm going to have a wife. I'm going to have seven kids. I'm going to have, it's going to be great. That's not what Jesus says. What is he, he, he does promise us something, but what is it? Trials and persecution. But he promises on the other side of that is rest, eternal rest, eternal comfort, eternal glory with Christ for, for, for the rest of your existence. And that's eternal. You can't imagine like a billion years is just the beginning. And I told you last week, it takes 30 years to count to a billion. Think about that. It's a lot, a lot of years, a lot of years. Don't Google that right now. Do it later. So what this passivity and comfort is doing in the church is it's creating this huge population of ineffective and lazy and carnal Christians. That's what it's doing. And, 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 and if this is you, if this is you this morning, you know, you know, you know if it's you. But the thing is, you have, it's good. You're, you're, you're saved if you're a Christian. But if, if you're, you know, you're saved. But, but, but listen, you've become really useless for the kingdom of God. That's hard, because I, as I was listening to that, that's hard. If, if you're a carnal Christian, yes, you're saved. Paul is saying, congratulations, you made it into heaven. But what? That's great. That's great news. But there's things to be done, souls to win. God wants to use you to do that. That is awesome, guys. And I, I love, I don't, excuse me, I don't, I don't do this very often, but I'm going to use the message to interpret some of the scriptures we just read. Don't crucify me. I don't do this often, but listen. This is, this is what it says in the message about 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. It says, but you, it says, but for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing more, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything's going your way? 
That's brutal, isn't it? This description is brutal. Listen, the good news, though, is it's not too late. My prayer is that at a church, our eyes will be open to the things that Satan's been trying to tempt us in and wake up to the things of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what my heart is as a church. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, this is what he says. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull in hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Hebrews 6, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and and, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from, the, from acts of lead to death and the faith in God, instructions about cleansing rights, baptism, all that stuff. Basically what he is saying, guys, by now you should be way further along than you are. Let's get going. Let's get going. Let's move. Let's move into action. Let's, let's start saying, if I'm a Christian and I say Jesus has set me free from my sin and myself, that means I have a job to do as a, as a believer. That means I'm not supposed to be sitting on the sidelines. That means I'm not supposed to be coming in here in a sermon and saying, man, that was a good sermon. I'm so convicted. All right, let's go get lunch. You know, that, that's not what it's about. It's about we hear Scripture, we hear truth, and we're listening to Scripture. We're listening to the truth, and we're saying, okay, I need to change this in my life. Okay, I need to change this in my life. This is sin. I didn't know this was sin. Okay, I need to change this. It's about being obedient. And like my question for you today is this, is that how many of you this week, just this week, and this will give you a good definition where you're at on this carnal Christianity, Christianity thing. Just this week, how many of you have read scripture, read something in scripture and had to change your life because of something you read in scripture? Does that make sense? Like, because it should be a weekly, daily thing. Because as I read, I'm not sure about you, you may be further along, but it, when I read scripture, I'm like, God, why you gotta be so rough on me, man? Like, listen, I'm just trying to do my thing. You know, but he's always pointing things out, but why does he do that? Because he loves you. He loves you and wants to see you brought to the fullness of who you were created to be. My last question, it's not my last question, but it's gonna be the last question, is, is Jesus central? Is Jesus central in your life? Or is work central? Is money central? Is relationship central? Is family central? Uh, your family can be your God. That's, that's scary to think about. Jesus has to be central to everything, and then everything will work. What did Paul say? Who is Paul? Who's Apollos? Who's Peter? You ask me that, I'm going to go to them when I get to heaven and be like, bro, I read about you. You guys are awesome. No, he's like, who am I? I'm just a servant. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's, it's about him. How many of us listen to sermons or podcasts and we basically worship the ground these sermons these pastors give? Guys, what you're attracted to in those people is the Holy Spirit of God working in those people, not those people. You get that? So this morning, you have to hear, if your life is based on anything other than Jesus, it's going to crumble. It may have already crumbled, but you're trying to build it back the same way, insanely. Give it to Jesus this morning. The substance that attracts that, that person, that you do that, those people is Jesus. And listen, a Christ-centered life is one that is focused on your commitment to Jesus as Lord. You know what the Lord is. 
we don't have a hard, we have a hard time understanding that here in this country. Like, what is a Lord? Like, Michael, what's a Lord? Like, I, I heard a story one time, and I'm going to butcher it. If you've ever heard it, just go with me and just let me, just let me go, okay? So um, there's this guy, he was in a foreign country. I think it, I'm not going to tell you a name, but it was this dude I, I listened to as a preacher. And, and he was trying to explain the gospel. He was trying to explain the, the supremacy of Christ to him. And he was trying to play, just explain like, what, a, what lordship of Jesus looks like. And he says, he's trying to give him an example. He says, okay, well, let's, let's put it this way. You know, what would happen, and what would happen if, uh, in our country, if we don't like the president, what happens? We can bash him. We can put Facebook posts on him, like, that guy's an idiot. Or we can, we can put all kinds, of, we can do all that, right? What's going to happen to us? Nothing. Why? Because we, we have free speech. We can express ourselves freely, right? All those things. It's really cool, right? It's awesome. Great. America, you know, all that stuff. Listen, but he's in this foreign country, and he's like, listen, what would happen if I slapped you in the face right now, talking to his cab driver, I would kick you out of my cab. He's like, okay. Well, what would happen if, um, what would happen if I got out your car and I went and slapped that police officer? He says, well, they would probably beat you up and put you in prison. He says, okay, well, what would happen if I went to the, the palace of your country, your country the, the, the king of your country, and I slapped him in the face? What would happen? He says, you would immediately be put to death. Like we don't understand that, do we? Because we don't understand lordship. We don't understand God. We don't understand who God is, the supreme leader of the world, of the universe. Lordship means he says, do something. I say, yes, sir. Lordship means he's guiding me and leading me. But the thing is, he's good. He's sovereign. He's good. And he loves you. That means he's not going to lead you in a place that's going to hurt you. It may be dis discomfort for a while. It may be uncomfortable, but that leads to growth. Okay, so listen this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you've never said Jesus is Lord, I'm not. Because listen, there's a lot of people in here right now that are still the Lord of their own life. You know that? There are. But there's some that are not. If you've never accepted Jesus as Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. I'm stepping to the background, Father. You come and you lead. You, you rule with my life. And if you want to do that this morning, we would love to walk with you, pray with you, lead you in that, and to help you take your next steps and put you on a path that's going to lead you to a life of a relationship with Him. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray with you. Okay. Awesome. If you're here this morning, if you realize you've been a carnal Christian, you know what it's time for? It's time for you to repent. Repentance is a hard word. Repentance means I agree with God. Repentance means I'm turning away from myself and turning towards God. Christians should do that every day. You should be a repentant person. Yes, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. I see that in my life. Forgive me. Come to this altar. Lay it down here. Pray. Repent. Say, God, just forgive me. I've, just, I've, lost, I've lost my way. And so this morning, I'm, I'm going to pray. And as I start to pray, y'all come forward and y'all pray. And then we're going to sing a line of a song and then we're going to go. So, Lord, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the king that you are, the, the, good, the good father that you are. I pray this morning, God, that you would just touch our hearts with um, the things that, that you need us to do for you, Father, that you want us to be a part of in your kingdom, Father. I pray that you would just convict us in ways that, that leads to change. Lord, we just love you, and I thank you for um, just this, this church, what you're doing in the middle of it. I pray for the hearts of the people here, Father, this morning. We just ask all this in Jesus' name.